0: Take our Bibles today and we'll turn to Luke chapter one. Now, remind you that the new days of praise devotion books are here for <coughs> September, October, November. I encourage you to take one for yourself, and maybe one or two for others to give out. You uh, want to get rid of them; it doesn't do any good for them to uh, stick around here after, the, after they're <coughs> expired. And so, Luke one uh, this morning. And we're going to pick it up in verse 18. And after we read this, I'll follow along. I'll read verses 18 to 25 and then pray. And we'll get into the message um, for this morning. We'll start by reviewing a little bit from two weeks ago. Uh, this is more of the prophecy uh, concerning the birth of John the Baptist. Verse 18: Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. The angel answering said to him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he's tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And came pass that, as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me, to take away my reproach among men. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we can be in the Word of God. And thanks for everyone who's come out today to listen, Just pray for um, the help of the Holy Spirit and bring forth the Word this day. And truly speak to our hearts and we thank you for another text, another indication of thy great power and how the events in the world are according to Thy plan and are ordered according to Thy counsels. So we thank You for all this and we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> well, two weeks ago we started in this prophecy about John the Baptist, and so I want us to go back and just look, read through uh, verses thirteen to seventeen. Just remind ourselves what kind of a man this would be. And again. God is putting things in motion. We realize that this all is going to culminate in the birth and the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate goal of all the things that are happening or, or that we're going to be looking at here in the first couple chapters of the book of Luke. And so the Bible says here, but the angel said to him, verse 13, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. And we'll see that in a couple weeks. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. We'll see examples of that as we go through. We'll let these events unfold as we go through. Of the book of Luke, it'll take several chapters before we see all these things. And then, verse 16 says this: "And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God." so, there would be John. The angel says his ministry was going to result in people repenting and turning to God. We'll see that. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias. That is Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready people prepared for the Lord. And he did that. And we will see him do that. We'll see him in action as it were, as we get through some of the early chapters of the book of Luke. And he would be used of God to do a stirring in the nation of Israel. Now, ultimately, again, as we know, um, his main purpose was to be the forerunner of Christ and to pointing to the Lamb of God. He, he did that. But we ought not to underestimate his personal ministry of preaching the Word of God. It had a great effect um, throughout the land of Israel for good and also, of course, there was opposition. And you know that John the Baptist eventually was beheaded for telling the truth, for preaching um, the Word of God. We'll get to all that. So now here we are today um, looking at the second part of this prophecy concerning the birth of John the Baptist. And again, I was struck, as I as always, when going through uh, these scriptures that you know, Zacharias and Elizabeth were real, living, breathing people. We can only imagine what they had gone through. Um, we did learn early in the chapter that these were both faithful. They were righteous and blameless according to God's description of them. So they were definitely part of that remnant that God promised. Israel will always have a remnant. There's a remnant today and there always will be. And then praise the Lord, and even as we read that resolution, the day's coming when Israel will turn back to the Lord, turn back to God, they will recognize Jesus is their Messiah, is their Savior, and they will come to Him. All right? Because that's all future, but that's all part of what God's doing here. Obviously. Two great purposes in the ministry of John the Baptist pointing to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was to provide salvation for the world through Jesus Christ and also to restore Israel as as it was mentioned in the book of Acts to rebuild the tabernacle of David that's fallen down. And that could be taken literally as well as figuratively. That temple will be built, rebuilt, and then Ezekiel describes a millennial temple and so on. And so So it's, it's going to be done physically. Israel will be restored physically to their land. Of course, they'll be restored spiritually first. All, I mean, all these marvelous great, great things. And if you're, I hope nobody's questioning that today, but if you are, or if you're anybody who denies these things, is basically denying the whole Bible, <coughs> Old Testament New, filled, with explicit promises and details of of what God's going to do. Anyway, that's all, you know, that's going to happen. So, then it says, um, we're going to start now, get into our message. Um, The first main point today is Zacharias' doubt. Verse 18. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife, well-stricken, in years. Now, we're going to get to the answer here in just a moment. But, let's think about what Zachary is saying and his question, and the key word is the word, whereby. The word, whereby, translated here, means, by what means. In other words, he wanted a specific sign. He needed, he thought, he needed more, more, than just the angels word. Were. we're going to go we'll, further, we'll follow up on that in just a moment. So that really that's when somebody when he says whereby he means by what means. How am I going to know what sign? Of course, the Bible says the Jews require a sign. And God says you're not always going to get one. <laughs> that's another that's another point. So he wanted a specific sign, like many are looking for today. People are always looking for signs. Now, let's see what the angel said. The response of the angel Gabriel is very significant in this passage. Basically, he tells Zacharias, You're not getting a sign. What does he get? Let's see. The angel answered, By the way, I'm an old man. See, Zacharias, Elizabeth, human beings, they're old people. By the way, not only was Elizabeth past the time, of childbearing, she was never able to have a child. She was barren. Now we would use the word sterile today to, to to define that word barren. She never was able to have children from the time she was, you know, way back in the day. Alright, so so he's wondering, so how am I going to know this? And he said, this is what the angel said. Love this. I am Gabriel, he says, I am Gabriel That stand in the presence of God. The name Gabriel translates kind of like this: strong man of God. As he came, of course, he was in in the appearance of a man. I have to labor the point that all these drawings and paintings and pictures and stickers and depicting angels as women contrary to the word of God. There's never, ever, ever in the Bible. An angel never appears as a woman, always as a man. When they appear, because they're messengers of God, and who's God? God's our heavenly Father, not our heavenly Mother. right? And there's all kinds of garbage out there. Oh, just it makes us sick. How do you think it makes God? Do you think it makes God sick? What's going on today? They're taking His Word of God and they're taking the Word and perverting it, and all these crazy things. And to show you how common it is. Kids Club, a few years ago, we were going through some of these things. I think it was when the angel came to Mary. So I had one of the girls, some of the kids really like to read, and so um, I had them read the verse. And, and they came to the name, and the girl said, Gabrielle. And I said, honey, it's not Gabrielle, it's Gabriel. But wait, she you know what Pastor Myers, I thought angels are women. Why would they think that? <laughs> because they are, and they're, de- they're depicted that way in the media, and in pictures and paintings. Anyway, so... So I said, no, it's not Gabriel, it's Gabriel, which means strong man of God. So he says to Zacharias, first of all, the reason you need to believe me is because I'm Gabriel, I'm one of the archangels, I stand in the presence of God. That's a pretty neat way to describe himself. And the idea there, the word stands, is that he is in the very presence of God continually, and that he the word stand signifies to stand before, to be at the disposal of. So in other words, Gabriel says, I stand in the presence of God always waiting to do his beck and call, always waiting for him to send me but of course, what's he doing when he doesn't have an errand from God? He's there by the throne of God, proclaiming the holiness of God, praising God, worshiping God, 24-7, as we were back in time down here. So he says, number one, you should believe because of whos who it is that's delivering the message. But then secondly, believe because of the message itself. He says, I stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. All right? The news. And of course, we, we went through the verses already, 13 to 17, what the glad tidings are all about. Not just the fact that an old couple, an old husband and wife, who could never have children, are going gonna to have their own child, but what this child would be in God's sight. And what God would send him forth to do. And again, we'll see that. And he said this the glad tidings, which again, as we've already said, ultimately point to Jesus Christ, which everything in the Bible points to Christ. Everything in our lives ought to point to Christ. We're supposed to allow the Lord to, to conform us to the image of His Son, to use us to be vessels and instruments. To carry the gospel and the testimony of Jesus Christ to the world, and, and folks, you know, it, it's, in this day and age, it's so important. We have to live the gospel. And I can't stress that enough. You know, we, we we you may even you may not even know how many people are are watching you and know that you're Christian. We and we have to live it. We have to live the gospel as well as you want to call it. Live the gospel as well as speak the gospel. Now, here is Zacharias' punishment, if you will, his chastening. Uh, And behold, verse 20, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak. In other words, he he would be mute. He He would lose his ability to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. In other words, until God does what is promised, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. In other words, in the due time. Their own God-appointed time. I, want to, I thought about this. I want, I want to say this carefully and correctly, according to the Bible. You know, there are times when God works or doesn't work according to our belief or unbelief. Oh, remember the cities there, Nazareth, and the different places where Jesus went, Capernaum. And the Bible says he could do their no mighty works because of their unbelief. And so they robbed themselves of a blessing because they didn't believe. I don't understand that. The Bible says a lot. Um, you know, um, it says there in the book of James, we, we, we ask, we have not because we ask not. We, we ask and do not receive because we ask amiss. Hebrews chapter 4, it says, The gospel, the word preached, did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So there are times when our belief or unbelief can have an effect on what God does or doesn't do. But then there are other times when it makes no difference. And here's one of them. Because John the Baptist was going to be born, and he was going to be a prophet of God, whether Zacharias believed it or not. And praise the Lord, so praise the Lord for his mercy. Because sometimes God blesses and sometimes God does things in spite of our unbelief. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, if we, if we believe not, yet He abideth faithful, He cannot deny Himself. So the angel says to right, it's going to happen. This child is going to be born, but because he didn't believe the Word, which by the way, the message from Gabriel was the Word of God. It was a message from the Lord. Said, you're, you're not going to be able to speak. All right, now, <clears throat> notice the delay in verse 21. And, it came, and the people who waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. So he was separated from them where the altar of incense was, and they were out there waiting. Now the Bible says that earlier in chapter 1 they were praying. The people were praying while he was in there offering incense. Well, normally, apparently, the priest would offer the incense and then come out and you know, they kind of just go on. I don't, I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. But you know what? Every once in a while, God stirs things up. And we need that. And so this time, he's, he's, he's not coming out. And I'm wondering, again, they marvel that he carried so long in the temple. And I will say this, I know on the basis of Malachi and other places that many times the priest just went through the motions. In fact, God told them to do these things in Malachi. They said, oh, what, what, what weariness it is. That's yeah, unbelievable. And can I say, we and I and anybody involved in the, the service of God it never, it never should ever, must not ever become humdrum or ho oh, or oh. no, no. It's a privilege, it's a thrill to open the Word of God. This, this supernatural book, this miracle book that came from God. Praise the Lord. They every opportunity we have to look into this marvelous, marvelous book. Well, the people are marveling because he's carrying, when he stayed so long, and they, you know what, he's an old guy, maybe he had a heart attack somewhere. So anyway, verse 22, when he came out, notice here's his dumbness. When he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. So they knew something happened. He imagines that kind of, you know, making, making these gestures, and they knew something happened. Right? Well, they'd find out eventually. Well, it came to pass that as soon as the days of his administration were administration were accomplished, in verse twenty-three. As it was, as it was, for the priests in the various courses, when they were done, they went back home, and of course, the next, the next guy, the next priest would take their place, and so that was a constantly evolving ministry of those uh, twenty-four courses. So he went back to his house, and then number verses twenty-four and twenty-five, we have the discreteness. Elizabeth, and after, those, and after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. All right? So what did the angels say? Thy wife Elizabeth will conceive and bear thee a son. All right? So God enabled them to produce a child, and so we would say, rightly so, we would say that Zacharias and Elizabeth had a child in a normal way. All right? So God gave them the ability right, to have this to conceive, now the Bible says that she conceived and hid herself five months. I would suggest maybe four things, reasons why that she hid herself. Probably number one, because she's an old lady, to care for herself and prepare for the delivery. Number two, to avoid undue attention. Being stricken in years. See, the average godly woman in the Bible is a lot different than the women today. Women today, they just run down the street. Oh, hey, praying, whatever. You no, know, no, she just kept herself humble. And then from verse number three, very could be very important to keep from contact with anything unclean according to the law. And the Bible cautioned women to avoid contact with anything unclean, especially when in a case like this where it was a special child because if she came in in contact with anything unclean according to law then that would have serious consequences on the child as far as being able to be used with God. So even though it's interesting even though God said this is going to happen yet she took precautions. She did what she needed to do as an Israelite woman as the wife of a priest to make sure that she did not in any way cause any problems with this, And then, and one commentator I read suggested this, I thought it was good to give proper devotion to God. She hid herself and just communed with God. And, and, you know, who knows what she had to do. I mean, she was old too, and she had, maybe she had, I'm sure that she had prayed, and, and you know, probably both of them felt that the time was over, there was no help for them. So she may have had to, you know, just cut, talk to God about that. You know, I, you know God, I'm sorry, I, We we just never thought this was going to happen. And, Yes, it's a shock to us. We're thankful. Because then she said this. She hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Now, you know, most of you probably are aware of the fact that in that day in, in Israel, not just Israel, but in Israel especially, a wife who could not have a child, she considered that an affliction, a curse, a reproach, but notice this. Take away my reproach among men. See, just like today, people are so quick to point fingers. Oh, well, something this happened to you? Boy, you must really be doing some bad stuff, right? Just like Job, his three friends, how they, t- they did everything in their, their, in their power. And then some to persuade this man, he must have committed some awful sin for all these things to happen. You need to know. Anyway, that, that's what she's talking about, reproaching men. You know, the average person, Zechariah and Elizabeth themselves, didn't even understand. But the people of Israel had no, they had no idea that this is what God was doing. This is why we have to be willing to submit to God when we don't understand. God, you know, is it... I, I don't even know how to really say this but it blows up helping me, but do you realize Zechariah and Elizabeth went through the agony their whole life as a married couple not being able to have one child? And God allowed that to happen for decades to come to this place, to this point. I think that's the illustration I talk about sometimes how God has the big picture. God has eternity in view. We don't. We should, but we don't often. We wonder, why is this happening? Why is it happening? And we want God You know, do it now, God. Here's what you need to do. You need to do it right now. But we don't have any right to do that. We don't have any right to demand God to do anything. You know, we have to what we what we have the right to do and what we need to do is simply say, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. Now we can pray. We can bring our requests to God. But there's a difference between praying to God about something and demanding, you, God, you better do this. And I, I've had people over the years, and I know I can I would could name some names, but I'm not gonna do that. Nobody here. But I've had people down through the years I could never, never get them. Pray for them, give them the word of God. They would not turn from their anger against God. I'm, I'm angry at Him. He disappointed me. He let me down, and I'm done with Him. And, and some, unfortunately, most of them have kept their word to right, with their grave. Never, never, ever should that bitterness creep in our hearts and minds. And we're—it's so arrogant when we think that we know better than God does what He ought to do. That's just—that's the epitome of. Human, human stubbornness and pride and arrogance, And yet God still is faithful. Now I want us to look at one other thing. Um we're going to look at some we're going to obviously we're going to let the chapter unfold here. So Lord next Lord's day we'll get it we'll go into the prophecy of the birth of Christ with Gabriel, but I want us to go back to Luke 16. we over Luke 16 I guess as we close the message for this morning. Um, what a great prophecy in any way I do not in, in any way want to you know, diminish in any way this great prophecy. Um, this was the word of God. God sent Gabriel, by the way, angel means messenger and, and Gabriel brought the message from God to Zecharias to relate to his wife that they were going to have a child. And remember, Zacharias was stricken with dumbness. He couldn't talk for nine months because he did not believe Gabriel's message from God to him. Now in Luke chapter 16, this is the very, very famous account. May I say record, not parable. A lot of people, people that I think should know better want to relegate this to a parable. the, The account of the rich man and Lazarus. And they try to to say that this is all parable. This is only a an illustration. So hell is really not like this said. I've read articles about that from people that ought to know better. I just said that to say this. Jesus is talking about a real rich man, a real beggar named Lazarus, and real fire in hell. Right? But there's something I want us to see at the end. All right. So let's um start at verse 19. I want to read the whole thing. There was a certain rich man which was, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, that's Lazarus died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, which is another name for paradise. The rich man also died and was buried in hell. He lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and see Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in my lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. So Abraham says to this rich man, he calls him his son, because apparently he was a Jewish man, so physically he was a son of Abraham. There's a huge, there's a great gulf. So what, in other words, once you're in hell, there's no getting out. Of course, in heaven, there's no getting out. We want to, but anyway. So verse 27, then he said, this is the rich man. And the rich man says, I pray thee therefore, uh, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. All right? So he's concerned about his five brothers. Send Lazarus. Now I heard a preacher say and maybe he might be stretching this a little bit but there's a great prayer meeting going on in hell. People praying for their unsaved relatives because they don't want them to come there. Well, he did that here, didn't he? The rich man said that, didn't he? Well, let him come. Send Lazarus to go and testify and witness, to preach to my brothers. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, Abraham said to him, they have the word of God. They have the Bible, we would say. And he said, the rich man said, no, Father Abraham, no, that will never work. That's what he said. No, no, no. They'll never listen to the Bible. They'll Listen to the word of God. But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And by the way, one did rise from the dead. Several rose from the dead. And of course, Jesus rose from the dead. So what is is Abraham saying? He's, he's making an absolutely great point that we must never ever forget. If people won't listen to the word of God, they're not getting anything else. God's not allowing me. I just get so tired because people, they again, they want to boss God around. I want him to write it in the sky. I, and I've talked to people like that over the years. I can think about I'm thinking of a lady right now. I think she's still alive. We've had contact with her probably 40 years. Her stories are all the same. I need more. The Bible's not enough. I need my grandma to Come back and tell me what it's all about. And I said, wait, it's not going to happen. That, that, that's another subject for us. We need, to, we need to teach our children the right stuff and our grandkids. Don't <laughs> tell your little grandkid that the person who died is, is now an angel watching over them. They're not. They're not. Angels are angels. People are people. Okay, but anyway, we've got to tell the truth. And the truth is that if a person will not listen to the word of God, nothing else is going to change in the, for the right way. But the devil will. He'll, he'll give him signs and things. He'll do, he'll do anything to fool people. Don't forget this. God, The devil doesn't want to be as much unlike God as he can. The devil wants to be as much like God. When, the, when Lucifer made his great, you know, whatever you want to call it, his vow, I will, I will, I will. He didn't say, I will be unlike the Most High. He said, I will be like the Most High. 2 so Corinthians 11, he transforms himself into an angel of light. Now, so... I had a dear lady. She's with the Lord now. She was. She always wanted to be a witness. I praise the Lord for that. She said to me, Pastor, I've been talking to my neighbor and she won't listen. I've given her the Bible. I've told her what she needs to do to be saved, but she won't listen. What should I do next? I said, pray for her and keep giving her the gospel. I'll keep giving her the Bible because that's all. That's all God's going to do. God did it all. God did everything necessary to save the world. Jesus Christ. You know this. Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood. He was buried. He rose again. Did I say he died? Yes, he died. He went back to heaven. He's given us the message of the gospel, which Romans 1.16 still says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's what we need. People need the gospel, but there's no shortcuts. There's no magic formula. There's no substitute for the gospel. To bring people to Christ. And that's what Abraham said to to the rich man. Not going to work. If they don't hear the word of God, nothing will persuade them. And then you remember that. And when you have confidence and faith in God's word. And God didn't send you and I out to save people because we can't save people. He sent us out to give the word of God and let him do the saving. I mean, I've heard this before. It's been told about probably every famous preacher. That somebody saw Charles Spurgeon on the streets of London. And he said, Hey, I saw one of your converts drunk, stumbling out of the saloon. And Spurgeon said, Well, if, if that was the case, it probably was one of my converts. If it was one of God's. He wouldn't have been there. But remember, we're, we're, we're seed sowers. We give the Gospels We give the to the Lord. Who gives the increase? Right, we need to remember that. But, let, but let's not forget. Let's give it, give it, give it, give it. Give out the word, the gospel, the power of God and the salvation. And let's have faith and trust in this dear, <coughs> precious book. Right, we're not going to do anything else until the next thing we're going to get is Jesus Himself when He comes for us. Do you realize the work He's putting us to the test? Do you realize that? The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Believe my word. That's what he says. Believe my word, trust and obey, like the hymn right foot. Because that's all you are in. the Word of God. Right? So let's remember that. Let's trust in that. And let's use it. I got this little thing here reminding me that this is a little sword. The Bible says it is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God if I go after somebody with a sword and I say, I don't believe that, can hurt me. It's still going to back them up, right? Same with this. Do they believe it's the sword of the Spirit? Who cares? It doesn't matter. It's still the sword of the Spirit, whether they believe it or not. And they do the work in the hearts, and praise the Lord for the heart, let's pray. Father, I have a thank you for this time that we have today in the Word of God, precious, precious Word. And just thank you for these great prophecies. And I'm so so looking forward to just delving in, mining out the great truths of the book of Luke. And we thank you for it. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us each day um, to be in prayer, to do everything that we can to get the gospel out to people who need to be saved. And so Lord, please give the increase. We pray. I pray for everyone here this morning. Please, Lord, and strengthen our faith in the Word of God, realizing that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We thank you for this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, who was the Word made flesh. Amen. Amen. All right, take your head books, please, and turn to number 177. Let's stand. Number 177. By word have I hid in my heart. 177. By word have I hid in my heart. Just a great hymn, obviously. This can right here in the hymn book. It's it's taken from Psalm 119. Um, Great, great treasury of the word God. All right. Thy Word is a lamp to my feet, a lamp to my path away, to guide and to save me from sin and show me the heavenly way. Thy Word is a That I might not sin against thee. I'm in the Word of God, to live by it, to use it as the sword of the Spirit. Watch over us all, please, this afternoon. And then, Father, we ask that blessing upon the service tonight, as once again we'll be uh, praising Thee and looking into Thy Word, your Father, and even uh, a message that is so relevant and so needful today, conservative or Christian, that's the question. We hope to answer that this evening, Lord, with your help. So watch over us, so we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.